Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Heather. Today we are joined by Winifred Gundek, owner of Winifred Grace. Winifred Grace is a lifestyle boutique featuring handmade jewelry, apparel, vintage goods, and home accessories, and has recently moved south a couple doors to 5632 North Clark. Welcome, Winnie. We're here on a very exciting day as you just opened the doors for your new space this morning at 10 a.m. We did. Congratulations. How are you feeling? I'm super tired, but really excited. Thanks. Thanks Thanks for having me. Why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. So I moved to Chicago in 2000 and um, I grew up in the south in Atlanta, Miami and Atlanta and um, moved to Chicago in 2000 for a job. I used to be a graphic designer and met my husband here and wound up staying. We have a um, a seven-year-old that is in school with Laura's kids and... um, We live in the neighborhood. We live in Andersonville in a little house with our dog, and we love it here. And Winifred Grace began as a handmade jewelry line in 2003. Can you talk about the early days and the motivations behind opening up your own retail location? Yes. Um, When I was still working as a graphic designer, I started designing jewelry. I knew I didn't want to do graphic design forever, but I knew I was close to kind of my my dream and um, so I started designing jewelry and I did small little events all over. I had friends living all over and so they would host me at their house and we'd do parties and um, eventually I started wholesaling and so for 11 years I was wholesaling my jewelry. I quit my graphic design job and um, and just started designing four collections a year and would go to trade shows and sell to boutiques just like my own. And then after my son Alex was born, um, really had to kind of stop for a minute and take stock of what I was doing every single day and the time and the effort and the travel and figure out a way to make the business work for me rather than me working so hard for the business. And so um, so kind of unplanned, I opened, I found this space on Clark Street and um, was close to where we lived and um, it was reasonable rent. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just have this be a, um, like a studio. And then quickly realized after I signed to the lease that that was not, really smart and that I had a retail space it was on a you know fairly busy street I should take advantage of it and um, without having any clue what I was doing started kind of putting together a retail store like I had to buy track lighting and I had no idea what track lighting was <laughs> or where to buy it and I needed like a cash register or, you know all these things I had never even considered and our opening weekend was amazing and awesome and it was so great and I instantly knew like oh okay I've made the right decision but one of the things that we offer we still offer um, but one of the things we offered that I think made us really unique were these um, custom stamped pendants so people could come in and get you know we did it while you wait so it was like you could get a personalized piece of jewelry that had your kids name on it or birthday or your anniversary or whatever um, 
within 30 minutes or less. And it was a huge draw. So that was something that was super unique. And then um, we still offer it. It's a, it's a smaller part of our business now, but we still offer it. And it's not while you wait. It's like we stamp on Thursdays. So the longest it would ever be would be a week. But um, anyway, it's worked out. So um, we're glad to be in the neighborhood and oh one really kind of cool thing was when we opened and had no intentions of being a retail store and we didn't have inventory <laughs> we didn't we had like very little inventory um daniel who owns roost suggested that we just build a wall on wheels and as we grew we pushed the wall back further and further and so the space grew with us so that is one of those is the original wall we had two of them and they were kind of staggered and our office was in the back we didn't have a dressing room and um, we eventually had to get rid of one of the walls and um, and then we built a dressing room with we added that to that one anyway so that was kind of fun yeah, to bring, we're, we're recording now in the former uh, Winifred Grace space, uh, just, you know, a couple doors, a couple doors north. So this is very exciting. And your jewelry line was also carried in some bigger name places, right? Like Anthropology and... It was. Was that it, so exciting it for you? It was super thrilling. It was like the kind of the pinnacle, you know, I had certain benchmarks and goals that I had set for myself and getting into Anthropology was certainly top of that goal list and it was in the catalog and it was online it was not in the stores but it was in the catalog and it was online and that was thrilling to see yeah I love that place I love you know for a long time you know especially when I was having to do um events kind of low budget and mm -hmm. that required a lot of creativity I took a lot of inspiration from oh, their windows sure. which a lot of them were you know cardboard boxes yep. spray painted and stenciled and all of that stuff oh, yeah. so I very much appreciated their their window display if I am not shopping in my own store I go to anthropology and sometimes I just go mm -hmm. just to try on pretty clothes and look at the pretty windows and the pretty space and get inspired and not buy anything because it's the people they have working there are incredibly, incredibly inspiring. In fact, one Mother's Day, I was with my mom. We were at Anthropology trying stuff on, and the sales girls were so unbelievable. And I looked at my mom and I said, um, "This is a gold mine. I should be talking to these girls and asking them if they need more hours or would like to work in my store." And actually, one of the girls that works for me now came out of that. Um, that pirating <laughs> that I did. Um, but yeah, they're a huge, huge inspiration for me. Absolutely. So I'm just curious, were you, you were designing your own jewelry, but were you actually making it yourself or how did that process look? Were you kind of making a prototype and then working with people to go from there? So in the very beginning, in, when it was just me, I was making everything and I was doing a lot of cold fusion so I was always limited by my skill set um, so I wasn't soldering I wasn't you know making my own chain or my own head pins or clasps or anything like that and so I always kind of felt a little bit like a hack and um, like I was gonna be found out and um, and 
but really it was the design process that I loved the most. I never really enjoyed the making. I mean, maybe in the very beginning. And I did a, like, a lot of one-of-a-kind pieces. And this was when beads were really big. And women would bring me their bags of their old beads. Like, this, these were my grandmother's. And can you remake this? And I would do that. And it was great fun. But after a while, it was a really hard way to grow the business doing these kind of one of a kind things and you know a lot of times they would just take so much longer and I could never charge what what it what time it took so what ended up happening was I hired Amanda who we still do not know how long she's worked with me we think it's over 11 years we have no idea but I hired her um, my good friend Jamie Chang, who owns a paper business that um, it was called Letter Space, mm-hmm. and it was a stationary line. She sold to like Paper Source, and she had a retail space and a huge wholesale business. And she was downsizing, and I had said, "Do you do you have anybody awesome that you would recommend?" And she recommended Amanda, and so we started working together and. She would, I would make the prototype, and then as we would get the orders, she would fill them. So everything was made to order. So like if we got a, an order from you know, whatever boutique in Boston, they'd send us their order, we would fill it and ship it out four weeks later or whatever. And, um, and she's, we've totally grown together. She's like the closest thing to a partner that I have. Um, But eventually, after, so after Alex was born and my kind of like come to Jesus of, okay, how do I, how do I make this, how do I streamline this business and just like give it a lot more structure and make it easier to, to manage, um, I, on a whim, contacted this um, supplier I had found on Etsy that was making, you know, shapes like raw material like flat discs and things like that that were just sort of considered parts Mm -hmm. and um and I read about them and it was it's a workshop in Mexico that was founded by an American woman and she was teaching this group of women that live in this tiny little town where there's very little work um teaching them how to make jewelry and so they're making a living for the first time and supporting their families. So I was talking to my husband about it, and he said, well, why don't you email them? Why don't you email her and ask her if she would make jewelry for you? I was like, okay, I guess I can do that. And I did, and she wrote me back, and she said, sure. And so it was this great experiment where I drew very basic drawings with measurements, nothing, no CAD, no 3D anything. And I emailed her the drawings, and I remember when that first box came, I was living, we were living in an apartment on Rasher um, in between Clark and Glenwood, and the package came from, from Mexico, and I opened it up, and it was like the best Christmas ever. It was like everything was so pretty, and it was better than I had even imagined, and it was just, it was awesome. And so... We started working together, and that was, um, you know, I don't know, seven years ago, because it was probably, Alex was six months old, 
and he's seven and a half. So that kind of transformed my business. And to be totally honest, I haven't designed a piece of jewelry in a really long time. Because once I opened the store, I don't have time. And I like the, st- I like the store a lot. That's really refreshing. I spent a lot of years in retail and it doesn't always feel that way. So it's just really great to hear that. And I'm sure it shows in the everyday business and I'm sure your customers really appreciate it. Um, We kind of mentioned in the beginning that you have a wide range of apparel and accessories and home goods and you talked a little bit about how you get some of your jewelry in and like your partners that you're working with, but can you tell us about some of the other designers and how you go about specifically choosing products for a line? So the we carry other lines of jewelry. That was something that kind of gradually started to happen. Um, I started bringing in, as I started designing less, I s- realized, oh, there's all this other beautiful jewelry out there that I would look at and say, oh, it's so pretty. Gosh, I wish I'd made that. And then it was like, well, why, I mean, you don't have to do everything. Bring some other people's stuff in. Like, oh, okay, that was a natural progression. And so um, with the jewelry, I mostly focused on local, other local designers um, that are pretty small. I have brought in a few that are um, not local from New York or LA, but um, Morgan Reed is one local designer who's amazing. This is her necklace. I wear it almost every day and her craftsmanship is beautiful and you know, she's she's making really really great things. Um La Kaiser is another local line. She does she has fine jewelry also, so we have a little bit of her fine jewelry and then her more affordable Vermeil pieces. Um, and really what I look for is mostly things that I would like, um, but I'm also kind of getting to know who my customer is, and there's certainly like so many times I think, oh, this is really amazing, and I'll bring in a line, and it misses the mark completely, and so kind of learning okay, well, just because I like it doesn't mean my customer is going to like it. I mean, they, they might like it in theory, but they might not like it for themselves. And so um, I'm figuring out over time who shops with us. And it's, um, you know, we might try to push the boundaries a little bit with, with certain things, but, um, but for the most part, the woman that shops with us is, um, she's really, how do I say this? Practical and like wants a good value. She's not cheap, but she wants a good value. And every once in a while, she'll buy like a statement, something, and really step out of the box. But we try to bring in really just everyday pieces that can kind of like create a a capsule wardrobe for people and then they can bring in we can bring in a few statement pieces and pepper those in and I especially think you know it gets harder you know as women and having babies and changing bodies and getting older and I often hear like I just I just don't know how to dress myself anymore like all the time you're just like I don't know because you never want to look like 
too matronly or too young, like you're got something to prove. And so it's like a, a fine line like, what do I put on my body today? And I think, um, you know, all of the apparel that you offer kind of allows you to be fun and, you know, covered yeah. up, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is definitely something that we, over the past year or two, have really noticed is, um, you know, our our customer is, um, so I'm 48, so she's right around 48, and um, bodies are changing. A lot of these women have had children or are about to start going through menopause and have no idea what is happening to them or how to control what's happening to them. And it's, it can be, it's really personal. It's deeply personal. And so we started... Um, we started doing these personal styling sessions um, in the winter time, and it it's a free one hour service. And what we decided was that it was a way it was a way for us to really devote special attention to people who were feeling exactly like what you described. Like I don't know how to dress myself anymore. I don't know what looks good on me anymore. And I don't feel good. I don't feel great about my body, which is horrible. That's just such a horrible way for anybody to feel. And so if we can do um, any, any little things to kind of help, um, help them figure out what looks good. And so we started doing um, where we take measurements, we figure out, which can, is also, again, it's deeply personal. And a lot of these women don't want to know what the numbers are. So we don't tell them. And we'll just, there's a math equation and you figure out what your body type is. And it doesn't matter. It's, there's no right body type or wrong body type. It's just, it is what you are. And you could be at your lowest weight or your heaviest and you would still be proportionally that body type. And so we started doing this and, um, and then researching, well, what looks, what outfits, what styles, what necklines, what waistlines and pant lengths and pant styles look best on these body types. And we made sure that we had a full, full store with a wide range of styles that, um, that would work on all these different, all these different bodies. And it was, we started doing them in the middle of the winter last year and they were really, really, really well received and we'll for sure start doing them again. Summer's hard because people travel so much, um, but it was really great for a lot of women and, um, and I was always made sure to really express my gratitude for them trusting us to do this with them because it's, it is, you know, it's a, I think it can be, again, it's a really personal thing that leaves women feeling really vulnerable. So if we can kind of soften that up for them a little bit. I mean, yeah. And plus kind of you understand where they're coming from, right? As, whereas like a 21 year old working at Banana Republic is not going to want to hear your sob story about like <laughs> how you can't fit into your jeans anymore. 100%. So. Yeah, Exactly. Well, you just talked about your personal styling um, options that you have that will start up again in the winter, but you also offer a home design service as well. Can you talk to more about your love of, you know, 
furnishings and accessories and all of that because you have a beautiful space that we see a lot on social media but thank you um i have always said if i was if i wasn't a jewelry designer which i'm really not anymore i'm a store owner but um that i would be an interior designer and um i think it's uh it's just it's something that i never really put a value on because it came really easily to me to kind of look at a space and fill it with interesting textures and shapes and furniture and mix different styles. And it's kind of like putting an outfit together. It's just a room. And, um, and it came easily to me. And a lot of my friends had said, you should do this. You should offer this. And I was like, Ugh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who would, who would want this and didn't really see the value because it was something that, um, that I didn't really have to cultivate. And so again, this winter was like the vortex when, you know, it's like the one good thing that comes out of winter, it's like ideas percolate and then they're born in the spring when things start to warm up. And so we start, I started doing these home styling sessions where I was like, I do not want to be an interior designer, but what I want to do is just give people a refresh and um, kind of the same with styling. and um, so the sessions are, they're three hours and I go in and I work with what you have and I'm not telling you that you need a new um, sectional or new anything. If you don't want to buy anything new, you don't have to buy anything new, but it's a way to, um, to just kind of breathe new life into people's spaces and it, um, it's been really fun. Again. I haven't done it in the summer because it's really hard to work out with schedules. Um, but we'll start. I'll start that back up in the fall. I guess we're in the fall, but I'll start that back up soon. There's just been other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I think some people just don't realize that they have like unearthed treasures, like that they're living amongst, yeah. and it takes you know just another person to come in and say like hey this is great you should like put this out yes. you know I mean I think it's the same like you know because you also offer some vintage jewelry pieces at your yeah. shop too I think like blending that kind of old and new kind yeah. of really goes a long way well we started selling vintage rugs and I think that was the sort of the start of it was you know I would just talk at length with people about their spaces and um, what they needed and you know how how they would use the rug um and then it just kind of went from there and and even beyond just like a particular object like oh this is really pretty and we should highlight this it a lot of it is just about moving things within the space to create new space so my very first customer or client was is a customer at the store and um and after three hours we had moved her we moved a lot of stuff but we moved some things in her bedroom and she now has a little spot on the side of her bed where she can do yoga in the morning and she didn't have that before and she now has a spot where she and her husband sit and have coffee and it is kind of about creating, you know, taking, it's like a room is just a box and if you put something up against all four walls, there's really, it's still just a box, but there's room to create moments and vignettes, kind of like what we do in the store where you have these 
these little areas where you can stop and spend some time. That's really inspiring. I want to go home and move all my stuff around now. Um. <laughs> I, I, do, I do it all the time and it drives my husband crazy. <laughs> and what a good time of year to do it, you know, when maybe it's less people coming in. So a good way to bring people in and, yeah. and just yeah. engage again with humanity in the depths of winter. Exactly. Um, <laughs> In addition to that, we love your presence for your shop on Instagram. Oh, uh, we were referring to you as the Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian of Andersonville <laughs> earlier with your IG selfies. Oh um, and you seem to have a really good time with it, clearly. It's um, fun. I, I always worry that I am going to come across as a huge egomaniac. I actually hate having my picture taken. Like, I just got super self-conscious when <laughs> you were taking that picture. Um, and so it's, yeah, it, but I had, I had a social media person kind of do some analytics for me and told me, when you are in the pictures, your, your followers engage so much more. And so I, it's, I've, worked, I've worked at it, and um, if I'm in charge of the camera, it's okay. <laughs> So do you have any particular strategy that you picked up from that consultant or do you have one kind of for, for the business overall? Media? Yeah. Um, that would be probably one of them. Um, definitely me in the pictures. I took a, um, an, a course, um, an online course um, that really focused on like having, per having a, making making it personal and sharing stories and um you know my husband's always just amazed at how much i share on social media like he's a really private person and um it's for me it's like an i guess an extension of like when people come into the store we always kind of dive into really personal conversations because you only have a few minutes with someone and so if um you know I don't know keeping it as authentic as possible again it's like I don't know nothing in life is perfect and so if we can all feel comfortable to like share our imperfections I think it helps it helps yeah in life I don't know I mean I think that 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 vulnerability is what kind of brings people back to your post time and time again. And, and one thing, of course, I've learned from your post is that family is extremely important to you. Um, and you talk, you know, you, I've read that you've, you know, your grandmother was a huge influence and all of that. Can you, can you talk about kind of those people in your life that kind of have made you who you are and helped you along the way? Yes. Um, My, um, so both my parents, my parents were married forever. Um, they just shy of 50 years. My father passed away five years ago. So he never actually saw the shop, which is a huge bummer. Um, but he was always my biggest fan. And he was, he was somebody, my dad was somebody who, um, he was an entrepreneur at a stereo business in the 70s, which is just hilarious to me. And um, he had like a TV commercial. But he was a really very um, risk averse 
kind of um, person. And everything I did my whole life, when I did it, the first time I introduced it was met with, well, that's a terrible idea. And like, it just, I had to, it was sort of like, I had to prove that it was okay, that I was gonna be okay. So when I said that I wanted to go to graduate school and study graphic design, he thought that was a really horrible idea. He thought that I was gonna be selling pencils on the side of the street. It was just, nobody he knew was a graphic designer. He didn't have any point of reference, and so for him, it was just not a good idea. And my mother, you know, it, she just, my brother and I could do no wrong in her eyes. Um, she was always kind of the one talking him off the parental ledge, and so, um, you know, once I was in school and was successful and, um, and he could relate to it and he had friends that were in the industry who were like, oh, that's a great school. He needed that kind of out, outside, um, what's that called, validation to let him know like, okay, this is okay, this is okay. And um, even when I got a dog, he was like, That's a t you know that getting a dog is really hard work. And I was like, Dad, you are not the only person in the world who can have a dog. And then we got our dog. And he called every morning for the report on how the dog was. So it was just his initial reaction was always so fear-based. And I had to just get him over the hump with me. And... Um, even having a child, he was, he just, you're older, you, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, you know, I, I just was like, yeah, I know, I, I know. So in some ways, it's hilarious to me. Like, if I had really listened to him, I would be, you know, working a government job in Washington, D.C., probably, and, you know, married to a politician. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I still think, though, that if, you know, the career would have happened where you were selling pencils on the street, I think you would have rocked it. I, they'd be cute pencils. <laughs> I think you would have been just fine yeah. as a traveling pencil salesman. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my mom, um, so my dad was an entrepreneur, and, but he was, he was mostly um, a salesman. Like, he was a really, really charming, fun, and funny guy who everybody loved and adored, um, including me. And he, um, he started working, this is so fascinating to me, um, in the 80s for Apple Computer. They had sales reps um, before they realized really what they had. They sent people out to sell their goods. And um, so he was a Southeast sales rep for Apple Computer, which is why we moved from Miami to Atlanta. And it was fascinating to see that grow and you know he knew he knew he was like this is a short-lived um, but really awesome job um, where he got paid on commission and he was like it was like for sure the highlight of his 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 career um, and my mom um, had her master's in social work and she um, she still does and she uh, ran the psychiatric ward at GW hospital in DC and had her own private practice and worked for a long time um, when my brother and I were little and then when we moved to Atlanta she stopped working but did like tons of volunteer stuff and now she is 
in real estate, and um, it's very similar to social work. <laughs> um, but her mother, my grandmother, was um, a great inspiration for me. And she lived in Mexico after she was widowed, and she was an artist and always worked with her hands. And whenever my brother and I would go spend the night at her house, she would have paper just scattered all over the floor with crayons and pastels and clay and we would just make things and um and that's always how I remember her is just as a she had these awesome hands that were um so strong and she would give my mom foot rubs <laughs> my mom always loved that um but they were really veiny and really strong and they were never ever manicured and she always wore these big rings and um my hands are similar to hers, although I retain a little bit more water than she does, so they're not quite <laughs> as pretty. Um, but I always loved them. They were like, they were workers' hands, and I loved looking at them, and um, I feel super connected to her. Um, she died when I was in college, and um, I, I feel like I'm, I sort of channel her, like our sense of style is very similar. She wore like men's corduroys and men's shoes and but she had like a very kind of Annie Hall like androgynous very very much so with like these big beaded necklaces and um she had this really short haircut and a really tight perm it was hilarious (laughs) um so yes she but she was actually from she lived in Evanston and she lived in Glen Ellen and my grandfather who I never met was a um, he owned a candy company a candy manufacturing company um, and um, so it it was some somewhere around here so my mom went to school in Evanston she went to high school in Evanston oh, and that's so cool. um, yeah so definitely Chicago I feel you know, yeah you were connected I feel here, connected here. Yeah. Yeah, we were trying to, I had this like mission. I was trying to like scroll all the way back to your first Instagram post, which like it wouldn't load all the way because of oh. 4,000 oh, posts lots. on there. So There's I was lots. just like, I can't get to the end. I can't get to the yeah. end. But I came across this one post you had of your mom, which said that it said something, I'll paraphrase here about like, if you're hot and hiking in Colorado, feel free to take off your shirt and hike the rest of the yeah. way in your bra. That and I was like, that's amazing. That was, that's my mom. My mom uh, did that. <laughs> she got super hot and took off her turtleneck and hiked in a bra. And um, yeah, she's, my mom, my mom is, um, she's amazing. She's like a, an angel on earth. And um, anyone that knows her is, it feels really, really lucky and like loved and supported. And um, she she loves in this unconditional way. That's the way I experience it. Where my my father's was a bit more conditional. Like you know, um, tuck your shirt in. I'll love you a little more. <laughs> but um, no, she 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 just is a um, she's a an exceptional human being and I just feel I feel so lucky that I had both the parents that I have because they each taught me such different things and um and you know they taught me to work hard and they taught me 
to be a good person and, um, you know, not take anything for granted. I mean, they, they, I feel like celebrated their life every day. So I'm going to get sad. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. You shared a little bit about kind of what life has been like in the past five years, lots of growth and change and you touched a little bit about what it was like to open the business when you were in this location here and you've now moved in the last just two days down the street um so can you just share maybe a little bit more about anything specific um that you've learned in the last five years and and like if there's something you could tell your former self your your five years ago self um what would it be that was a good question um i think making mistakes and taking risks is for me personally part of living and growing and um and it you know even opening the store in the first place was a huge risk and I didn't know if it was going to be successful and it certainly I don't want to paint a picture that it's been nothing but successful it's been really really hard and um I would say not getting too attached to things and being able to move on from them when they're not working. Um, We opened a studio around the corner on Ashland um, where we were, I had a whole other staff over there and we were making, we were producing jewelry over there and it um, it was a really ambitious thing and it was like a whole other business and I had no business doing it and it went on for way too long and um but I was concerned about the people that were working there and letting them down and um I think probably realizing like I I always kind of struggle with I don't want I don't want to be selfish I don't want to be um you know only thinking about myself but sometimes you kind of have to and especially when you're in charge, you, you, it's like you have to make really hard decisions sometimes. And that has been, that's been a huge, I think, a huge learning thing for me, especially like when you have multiple people working for you, um, you know, people look to you for answers to things. And um, also being able to say, you know, I, I actually don't know. I really have, I don't know what to do and I need your help. Um, asking for help um, is a big one. I mean, even just with the move, um, I was meeting the, the crew over here, not my, not my crew, but the people that were going to reinstall the store over there and they were coming at seven in the morning and I didn't want to ask anybody to come be there with me like I didn't want to inconvenience anyone and um and I finally just said okay be here at eight it was like you know it's not that hard to just say that but sometimes it is you know um I think being being vulnerable um is helpful and letting people know that um like I've had customers come in who They'll say, how's it going? And I'll say, it's, it's, it's been really slow, actually. Um, and, you know, there's that balance, that fine line of 
letting people know too much, um, but wanting, again, to remain authentic. Um, that with staff, like with people, it is, the skill set is not the thing that matters, it's the person. So when you are spending eight hours a day with someone, that it's, you can teach a good person, a good, smart, willing, and able person, you can teach them most anything that they need to know, at least about retail. Um, and that, that skill kind of comes later, that the first, the first thing is like, oh, is this a really good person who kind of vibes with our vibe and, and like has the same values that we have um, about being a good person and being nice to people? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was always, I mean, I'm good at retail, but I'm also like kind of terrible at it because I was working for Land of Nod for a really long time. And as a mother working at Land of Nod, I, and new mothers would come in and I would just oh. be like, you really don't need that. <laughs> Like, let me just let me just yeah. cut to the chase yeah. here. Like you, like I'm gonna save you save you a couple of bucks. Like, I'm gonna save you a couple of bucks and let you know. Like, That's good. In two that weeks, that makes you good at retail. Yes. Actually. Yeah, I was I just believe. like, but like, like yeah. for the people, for my bosses, right. they were like, they were gonna buy that, and I'm like, right. yeah, but they really didn't they need, didn't it. need <laughs> it. Yeah, they didn't really need that toddler pillow. You right. know, like <laughs> absolutely. Well, I will say, like, I I do pride myself on being as honest as possible with people like I had one woman come in and she desperately wanted this blouse like she just she had this vision it was what she wanted and it did not look good on her and I said I I forbade her from buying it I said you can't you just cannot buy this it does not look good on you I know you want it to it just doesn't just don't buy it and so I would like to think that that is um, a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she appreciated it in the long run. Like, I think so. She's bought other things that look right. great on her, and she wears them all the time. You've probably seen her at school in them. <laughs> she will remain nameless. <laughs> well, Winnie, now we've reached the point of our show when we ask our guests which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with for a day? So if you could pop in somewhere else and change roles completely, would you mm. stay in line with what you're currently doing or totally switch it up? Um, that is a great question. So I have two in mind. George's <laughs> ice cream and Norcross and Scott. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would I would work for Amanda for a day over there at yeah. Norcross. She's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that store is pretty amazing. I love it. I really love it over there. And I really love ice cream. What's too. your favorite flavor? Um, I tend to go for like something basic like a like a chocolate chip or a mint chocolate chip or a chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay. And what yeah. about Alex? Um, he loves anything that has like a, um, food coloring in it, like a blue, like a blue. Yeah. Yeah. Superman. Terrible. But he, he does like, um, cookies and cream. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I love that question. We like that question a lot. Also the toy store. Yeah. That toy store is pretty amazing. 
Anyway, yeah, we've had, a, we've, had a, we've had a we've had a few pe- people mention Georgia's before. It Have you? Yes, it yeah. doesn't get, you know, yeah, uh, it gets a lot of oh attention. God. Comic book store. Oh my god, literally, and I'm not just saying this because you guys work for the chamber, but I had a, I had a like a resurgence this summer of just like I fell in love again with Chicago. I always have wanderlust and like always want to move to wherever I go except for New York City. I can't stand New York City. But I always want to move like if I go to Nashville or wherever, anywhere. And um, this summer I was like, what am I? I must be crazy. Like Chicago is just so awesome and particularly our neighborhood. Like the we do not have to get in the car. Like I walk to work, we eat in the neighborhood all the time. George's, the comic book store, the bookstore, the yogurt place, like Octavio, Lady Gregory, like literally it's just, it's constant. And I love it so much. It's so great. It's such a great little village. And I'm real excited that we're part of it and like have been like that my business is here Mm -hmm. and that these are my customers because let me tell you, I have thought about moving to another neighborhood and I don't, I would really, I like, it's the people. Yeah. It's the the people people are just phenomenal. Mm. I hear horror stories about retail and like how you know, it's just, it's awful because of the customers. And I'm like, that is the one thing for me that is, it's like stellar. It's amazing. The people are just so nice and they care about the neighborhood, but they're not like busybodies, and they care about what you're up to and they're up to good stuff. And I I feel real lucky. Yeah. Oftentimes I'll get invited like, oh, after school, we're going to go to the yogurt place in Lincoln Square, and I'm like, oh, west, west of Damon? <laughs> I'm like, right? I'm like, you? you know, I was like, we have a, right down the street, yeah. like, we have yeah. a yogurt so place, can we just go there? Can yeah. we just go, because I'm not, I'm not going west yeah. like that, though. So. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Well, thank you, Winnie, for being here, and thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Winifred Grace, please visit winifredgrace.com or just stop by the store, the brand new beautiful store, and meet this beautiful human. And then for show notes on this episode, visit andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. 